Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Leese. Today we're continuing our series, Shit Out of Luck, with Niels Hogel. Before we get into today's topic, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. Use the code Larry21 for 10% off your order. So let's dive right into Niels Hogel. And now on to our main topic. As a teenager, Niels Hogel decided he would follow in his family's footsteps. Like his father and his grandmother, he would become a nurse. But unlike his relatives, he would use the workplace to satisfy his curiosity about, perhaps even thirst for, death. By the time his world came crashing down around him, Hogel would become known as the most prolific serial killer in the history of modern Germany. In 1999, two years after he completed his nurse's training, he was assigned at the Cardiac Surgery Intensive Care Unit at the Oldenburg Clinic. In the ICU, Hogel saw his opportunity. There was an unusual spike in resuscitations and deaths, and the hospital took notice. In August 2001, doctors and the hospital's administration held a meeting to address the rise in incidents. 
Ogle thought he was cut. According to the criminal code, he called in sick for the next three weeks, and only two patients in that hospital ward died during that period. Certainly, that should have been a sign to his supervisors. But shortly after his return, he was transferred to the anesthesiology unit at the hospital. A year later, Oldenburg's head physician confronted Hogel after multiple patients under his care had been found in life-threatening condition. For seemingly inexplicable reasons, Hogel was given a choice. He could resign his position with three months of severance, or he could take another job within the hospital where he would not be allowed to provide medical care for patients. Hogel resigned, and out of the deal, even received a glowing letter of recommendation from the hospital's director of nursing. The daily German newspaper reported, in the letter, he's praised for his circumspect, circumspect, diligent, and autonomous work ethic, as well as performing prudently and in an objectively correct manner in critical situations. In December 2002, Hogel took that reference letter and landed a job less than 25 miles away at the Delvinhorst Clinic. Initially, Hogel's colleagues held him in high regard, but his emergencies and fatalities due to arrhythmia or sudden decreases in blood pressure shot up while he was on duty. Their suspicions grew, and they began avoiding him. They started referring to him as Resuscitation Rambo. Still, his supervisors did nothing, not even when four empty vials of a heart medication that no doctor prescribed were found in his ward. Nearly three months or three more years passed before colleagues finally caught Ogle injecting the same drug into a patient's bloodstream, which prompted a police investigation. Several Demenhorst co-workers provided statements indicating Hogel was behind a staggering number of heart complications, resuscitations, and unexplained deaths at the hospital. The investigation concluded that Hogel had been single-handedly responsible for doubling the deaths at the hospital. The Guardian reported that 73% of all the deaths happened while he was on duty. In December 2006, a German regional court sentenced Hogel to five years in prison and an appointment began of equal length for attempted voluntary manslaughter. It was later increased to seven and a half years and a lifelong employment ban. As the news spread and the number of questions increased, German authorities expanded their investigations and exhuming bodies for further autopsies. Over the course of nearly a decade and multiple waves of investigation, the results found that Hogel had murdered more than 300 people under his care. During additional hearings and trials, he admitted to injecting the antiarrhythmic drug into patients to cause a cardiac arrest. He wanted to see if he could revive them partially out of boredom. There was a tension there and an expectation of what would happen next, he testified in 2015. Quote, usually the decision to do it was relatively spontaneous. He also said he was, quote, honestly sorry. But that's not all, folks. January 2014, Oldenburg's DA's office launched another investigation into the incidents at Delmenhorst Clinic. As a result of that investigation, authorities charged him with three counts of murder and two counts of attempted murder. Ogle actually confessed to these charges, and in doing so, he admitted to committing an additional 30 murders. He states he committed these murders by giving patients, giving 90 patients medications that weren't prescribed. After injecting them, 60 of the patients he was able to successfully resuscitate. The other 30 died as a result. February 28, 2015, Langdrick Oldenburg sentenced him to life in prison, and that sentence was finalized in March of that year. In their arguments, the prosecuting attorneys stated Hogel administered these 
medications like we said out of boredom and an urge to demonstrate his skills at resuscitation. But there's still more. After Hogle confessed to the 30 murders, there was rising suspicion he may be responsible for even more deaths. You think? In October 2014, after 200 mysterious deaths were identified, authorities launched yet another investigation. In November of that year, a special commission was formed to delve further into the deaths at various facilities Hogle was employed at. This investigation would last for three years and authorities would review over 200 cases. The commission had 134 bodies exhumed throughout Germany, Poland, and Turkey so they, they could be autopsied. These bodies were spread among 67 different cemeteries. In most cases, decomposition had progressed too far for medical examiners to detect any trace amounts of medication in the tissue. Unfortunately, 101 patients who died at Delman, Delmanhorst while Hogel worked there couldn't have autopsies performed as they had been cremated. In 2015, the suspected victims exhumed in Ganderski and Delmanhorst showed trace amounts of one form of heart medication or another that was not prescribed. By November 2016, detectives claimed they could attribute an additional 37 deaths to Hogel while he was employed at Delmanhorst from December 2002 to June 2005. The director of the Special Commission released a statement saying, quote, the provable Oldenburg and Delmanhorst homicides were only the tip of the iceberg. Ogle was already sentenced to life in prison. He was not eligible for parole. Also, capital punishment is prohibited under Germany's constitution. Charging him further would not alter his sentence in any way. It would only find him innocent or guilty of the new charges. The courts opted not to pursue further charges. On August 28, 2017, detectives gave an, gave an announcement that they could safely conclude Ogle to be responsible for the deaths of 90 of his patients including the six he'd already been convicted of. He would admit to an undisclosed number of deaths, but said he could not remember specific details in most of those cases, and he didn't come out and outright deny the allegations. I call bullshit on this. Although I'm not an expert by any means, I have done and continue to do quite a bit of research on serial killers and their behavior. From all the research I have done to date, the vast majority of serial killers can give exact details of their actions even decades after the fact. I feel he isn't denying them because he is responsible. I believe he is not providing specific information because he wants to keep that for himself. It's not something he wants to share with anyone. November 2017, the number of victims increased to 106, and they were still investigating some of the mysterious, mysterious deaths. By January 2018, the German prosecutors changed their minds. They charged Hogel with an additional 97 charges as well as their intention to file charges against other staff members who failed to act on their suspicions. They held fast to their belief. He did all this in an attempt to impress those he worked with. He would purposely induce a cardiac event to show those around him exactly how skilled he was at resuscitating people. January 2018, Oldenburg State Attorney's Office charged Hogel with the murder of 100 patients from February 7, 2000, June 24, 2005, the age of his victims ranged from 34 to 96. The indictment states the following, and I'm paraphrasing here to avoid all the legal mumbo-jumbo that can get confusing. In Hogel's position as a nurse, he killed patients by administering the following substances or medications without any medical indication. Potassium, 
Pandramelene, Soton, Lidocaine, and Meodorum. Trial at Oldenburg began on October 30th, 2018, and involved 120 joint plaintiffs and lasted for 24 days. On the first day of the trial, Hogle addressed the 100 charges. He confessed to 43, stated he could not recall 52, and adamantly denied his involvement with the last five. I'm actually leaning toward believing he wasn't involved in those five for a straightforward reason. If he's already admitted to 43 being vague about 52, why would he deny the last five? Yeah, it just makes no sense unless you think there is good reason for the denial. June 6, 2019, Oldenburg courts again sentenced him to life imprisonment. They took his prior convictions into account when they determined Hogel's severe gravity of guilt. This German term, used in court, significantly increases the offender's sentence severity. Precludes any chance of early release after serving only 15 years. The court found him guilty on 85 separate murder charges and not guilty on the remaining 15. He and a joint plaintiff appealed a verdict from but the Federal Court of Justice dismissed both of them on September 11, 2020. And now, here are my thoughts on the Niels Hogel case. I was intrigued by this case because of the vast fluctuation of body count I was finding. As I kept digging and digging, I couldn't help but get sucked in by the intrigue of it all. I would have thought after we reviewed the case of Charles Cole that nothing would surprise me with these kind of medical cases. It could have been more wrong. Granted, I know I'm looking at this case from the perspective of an outsider looking in and not an insider trying to sort it all out. Still, there are so many things I'm not understanding. I found that the deeper I dug to find answers, the more rabbit holes I fell into. To process information, I had to look at it from different angles with different variables to play out what could, would, or should happen. I do it with things that are going on in my life and when I'm trying to understand other things, I found myself doing it a lot with this case. And I'll do my best to articulate what I'm trying to say. First thing I keep reevaluating with different variables is whether or not Hugo's case is a matter of nature or nurture. This is one that I'm still very much struck on. I know which way I'm leaning, but I want to get your perspective. So leave a comment in the comment section below. Again, I could find nothing in regards to a poor upbringing or a troubled childhood, which as I've stated in the past, this inf the information must be shared no matter what sort of childhood a serial killer experience. Sources are quick to point out troubled youths, but they are negligent in disclosing the seemingly normal ones. Not to mention that Hogel seemed to come from an upper middle class family at the very least. I didn't even say that he appeared to be in a very healthy marriage and appeared to provide a decent environment for his child. Serial killing aside, of course. The next thing that I've tried to look at with different variables is this. When the first clinic became suspicious, suspicious of his actions, why in the hell did they even offer him the option of resigning with a good recommendation? Did they think he wouldn't try the same thing at another facility? Why did they continue to make him employable in that environment? You wouldn't give a recovering alcoholic a job as a wine taster and expect them to stay sober, would you? Even when he went to the second clinic, his actions were noticed, yet they were ignored. Otherwise, they would not have been allowed to continue for so long. 
saying that they were just aiding him in his efforts to kill people by allowing him to stay in a position where he could harm anybody and everybody. Most of all, I'm curious as to why Germany doesn't employ capital punishment. Shouldn't some extenuating circumstances would be an exemption to that. Especially for those that seem to have no regard for human lives themselves. What do you think was Hogel's motivation behind his actions? Do you feel like either Clinic dropped the ball when it came to their suspicions? Or did they handle things the right way? Do you think that Germany should have made an exception to their capital punishment laws when it came to this case? Let us know in the comments section below. Or send us a tweet at TrueCrimeNS. And before we take off, um, you can support the show by buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Your support helps the channel grow, allows us to upgrade our equipment, um, travel to crime scene locations, which we plan to do sometime down the road when we can afford it, bring in um, hosts so I can get more perspectives on different crimes. But for now, thanks for listening and watching, and be sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.